You're listening to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, sponsored by Mission First Capital, bringing real estate investment deals for active duty and veteran investors. Your host, Anthony Pinto, searched land, air, and sea to find military investors just like you investing in multifamily and commercial real estate, both active duty and veterans. Hear their stories, learn their lessons, and be inspired by the obstacles they have overcome on their path to financial freedom. Whether you are overseas or stationed at home, if you want to get started as a military real estate investor, this is the show for you. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on the revamped new and improved version of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I wanted to refocus on my mission here in life uh, with this podcast, and that is to help teach and inspire 1 million military members and veterans to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And as a part of the March to a Million campaign, my call is to show you the path to freedom of time and money, whether you intend to stay in for 20 years or get out next year. And so listen to the stories of fellow military members and investors just like you struggling, overcoming, and achieving success in multifamily real estate, and even some of them doing it while active duty, and really dig into their lessons learned, as well as their failures on their path to success. Uh, But you came here for the show, so let's get to it. Hey learners, and welcome to another edition of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I'm your host, Anthony Pinto, and today we have another amazing guest, as always. Uh, Travis is an active duty Marine, cancer survivor, and an out-of-state investor, and 12 years ago, he lost $1.2 million in real estate properties. That's crazy. And after deploying four times, twice to Iraq and twice to Afghanistan, he started investing in real estate again. And in 2019, January 2019, he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. And he currently lives in uh, Arizona. Or sorry. Uh, oh, is an, sorry. He's an out-of-state investor with single-family homes in Milwaukee and land in Arizona and recently purchased a fiveplex in Cleveland and is negotiating on an assisted living house in Springfield. Super excited to have you on here today. Travis, welcome to the show. Thank you. Super grateful to be here. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you have a very um, unique path that it sounds like you've taken. And, uh, and for um, probably a lesser man, it would have probably crippled a lot of people going through the, you know, the trials and tribulations that you, that you went through. So, Let's um. Let's start off on a good note. Let's talk about and start with your real estate, or sorry, your uh, military career. Okay, uh, came into the Marine Corps in two thousand three. Hit my seventeen year mark in December. Actually, uh, stood on the yellow footprints on Pearl Harbor Day, December seventh. Wow. And uh, so super grateful to be able to kind of share that uh, day in infamy. I don't know if I want to share it, but it's uh it's an easy reminder to when my anniversary is. And uh, I'm a Engineer equipment officer started off as a heavy equipment operator and serving twice in Iraq and then twice in Afghanistan and then uh, submitted my one officer package and the rest is history, as they say. Awesome. So where are you living right now? So I'm stationed at Camp Hilton. So I live in San Clemente, California. Okay. Got it. uh, Surf town here that is super epic to, uh, if you appreciate the ocean and uh, surfing, I'm, I'm four minutes southwest to get to like some of the best surf breaks in California between lowers and trestles and cottons and uppers and, and uh, middles and churches. It's blessed. 
every day is a blessing to be able to get in the water and surf here. Man, I love that. I, I, uh, the, the first time I went surfing was in San Diego on a, um, training that we did out there and, uh, did not particularly enjoy it. It was really cold. I didn't have like a, a wetsuit on or like even a shirt on. So like my, my chest got all like scratched up and stuff. Um, I never got off on the surfboard and, uh, yeah, it wasn't very, wasn't a very pleasant experience overall for me, but I'm sure if you do it a lot, you just get used to it and you really actually get to enjoy it once you can actually get up on the board. I have all four of my kids know how to surf. My uh, eight-year-old currently is one that's just, uh, he charges is some, some surf lingo, right? Like he loves it. Uh, July 4th, I think is one of our biggest swells and he's paddling out. He loves when it's big and he has no problem, no fears, mindset's amazing. And he just, he's like, dad, one day I want to surf Joss. Okay, son, like whatever we got to do to help facilitate that, we could make it happen. So it's super fun to go and surf with him and see, not see him when he catches a wave and just not see him. And then all of a sudden he pokes out the back. So it's, it, every day is cool to go surf with him. Great memories. I mean, that's amazing that you share uh, a passion that you have in your, in your own life with, with your family. And it's, it's almost, uh, it's almost a way to bond between, you know, you, you and your kids and, um, I mean, that's, that's amazing. It sounds like a, an amazing, amazing life that you're, you're kind of living there out in California, you know, just outside of the real estate stuff alone. Well, and I think that, you know, real estate, like we, I trained jujitsu. I've been training jujitsu for the last, uh, like 12 years. All my family's trained jujitsu. Uh, my, my children have been able to be IBJJF champions and be able to train around the station in, o- in uh, Okinawa, over there near neck of the woods. Yeah. Compete there. And it is really fun to be able to have those experiences that create family bonding. When we went to Big Bear for New Year's, you know, we were looking at Zillow and we found some properties we wanted to go look at. And so we're like, hey, kids, we're all going to go look at real estate. And they're like, yippee. And they all jump in the car and they're like looking around and they're like, oh, no, I like this house better. And so it's, it's really fun to not only have your hobbies, but to be able to use real estate as a way to like drive around and see and talk about real estate with your kids and and uh, just kind of discuss with them the future that they can have through real estate and through uh, you know, investing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that you kind of have that that mindset with your kids. Is I think that um, real estate in general is very uh, it can be very dull for a lot of people who don't like numbers or don't like you know the financial aspects of it. So how do you keep it fresh for your kids, and how do you teach it in a way that you know your even your eight eight year old is kind of excited about and and you know wants to kind of make that their future? Uh, great question. So what we do in our family is we have jars, right? We have our expense jar, we have our tithing jar, and we have our income, we have our savings jar. And every month, every kid learns about interest. So for every ten dollars, you give them a dollar. Very simple. They want to take all their money out of the expense jar, put it in their invest jar. They don't care, like whatever. Uh, and then we have our vision board and it's right back over here. And it's got the cash flow quadrant from Robert Kiyosaki. And we talk about real estate and we talk about investing as a way to be like, hey, this is allows you or us the opportunity to create the, and to create opportunities and memories that having a job and working for that paycheck doesn't allow you to do. And living here in San Clemente, we see the influx of people every year come here for their one week of summer or two weeks or whatever. And so we remind our children like, Hey, people save an entire year of working just to come here and stay here for a week. And we get to live here every single day and enjoy it. So we kind of really keep that perspective in their minds. And then 
a really great story that kind of hit that home is that we went to go see the San Diego Orchestra right on the harbor. And this was probably a year and a half ago. And so we pull up to the port or the harbor and here's this huge boat. It's beautiful. It's called the Atessa. And it has a stainless steel anchor and it's polished and there's a helicopter on it and another boat on it. And we looked it up and it's like a $150 million boat. So my kids are like, yeah, if I work for somebody and I get paid by the hour, can I afford that? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> like if that's all you do, you'll never be able to afford that. I said, but if you do your, you know, cash flow quadrant and make businesses and build businesses and invest, I said, then you can have like, the, you can have three of them if you want. You know, so we, we talk about it. It's, it's a part of our culture. It's a part of who we are. We enjoy talking about it and we enjoy talking about finances. And, you know, we ask our kids like, hey, what's an asset? And all of them will say, hey, it puts money in your pocket. What is a liability? It takes money out of your pocket. So it's just a very, um, we just kind of relate it, help them relate to things in their own life and what they're kind of seeing in their everyday world. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing what, you, what you're doing there. I mean, and it, it seems like a trend in, in your family. You know, you, you have, you know, one of you has a passion or you all have a passion for something, jujitsu, surfing, you know, financial independence and, you know, that, that kind of mindset. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And it's something that, um, you know, I feel like we don't really see too often anymore. And I think it's really a testament to, you know, your, your stewardship as a, as a good parent and a, you know, a good um, teacher of the future generation to kind of instill those, those mindsets and, uh, in, in your kids and in the future generations. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a, a mentality that is definitely hard to, um, cultivate when you don't have that instilled at you in, in a young age. And it's something that, um, you know, like trying, trying to relearn how to swim the correct way after you've learned for 10 years how to do it the wrong way and having to completely, you know, um, just, you know, destroy that and rebuild it back up again, just kind of like going and showing up at Paris Island on day one, you know, the Marine Corps is taking you as someone who they don't want you to be and building you into the Marine that they want you to be. Um, and I think that's some, that's, you know, similar with you, it's much easier to have that mindset from a young age and, um, and uh, kind of build upon that than it is to not talk about it for forever, go do your W2 job, think that, you know, that's going to make you the, the millionaire one day, and then having the rough reality when you're 25, you got, you know, $200,000 of student loan debt, you're working uh, some random job trying to pay down, you know, trying to make your, make your way in the world in this, in this business and whatever you end up doing, trying to pay down student loans, get a family. And, you know, it, it like I said, much easier to do at a, at a younger age with what you're doing now. So kudos on that. Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, living next to younger lieutenants, right? Company grade officers. And it's like, hey, you know, I've got this thing I'm kind of doing. I've invested this many doors, or this is kind of my goal with getting out of the Marine Corps. Oh, yeah, we want to do that, but first we want to pay off loan debt. Like your student loans, right? Yeah, like that's student loans. So everybody here that's, uh, you know, that is a lieutenant to captain has some type of student loan debt that they're, not, that they're completely strapped on. It's like, man. It's crazy. And then you hear about people that are able to house pack their, 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 their duplexes or, you know, whatever. And then they come out ahead and, and they have far less debt than they need to start with. Mm-hmm. And growing up, my dad was, he's like, I, you know, live on the 80, 10, 10 plan, you know, spend 80, tithe 10 and save 10. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell my Marines now, I'm like, you guys living in the barracks and you're young, you should be on like the, the, the 60, 30, 10 plan, like saving 60, spending 30 and tithing 10. 
just getting in that mindset of, of living not below your means because you know you're trying to be cheap, but just heavily investing. Like you have, you know, you're going to retirement system, mm-hmm. uh, the TSP, but like something because as Marines, we're not fortunate to be, uh, you know, as a young sergeant, you just move out of the barracks because if the barracks is under capacity of a certain percentage, then you can't leave. Unlike the Air Force and like other branches, like, oh, you want to get a house? Yeah, go get a house. Mm-hmm. So there's there's opportunities to you know, find that side hustle, whatever you can do to, to build your uh, portfolio when you actually are able to move and, and know about them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a, a brilliant plan. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people think like, uh, you know, how can I save all this money? I have all of these other expenses or debt or everything else. And, uh, you know, I think it really does come down to a mindset first. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, if you're making only $1,000 a month, it doesn't have to be $800 that you're saving every month. You know, it's it, but it really just got it has to start with something. It can be something as easy as twenty dollars a month, and uh, you know that's something that I've I've learned from the book Atomic Habits recently, is that all it takes is something simple to get started, right? And it's just showing up is really the hardest thing is showing up, and then you show you show up for twenty dollars and you show up to forty dollars, and then suddenly you know, oh man, I can put away a hundred dollars, and you know, and it's just it it's building that habit and building that muscle memory of investing and putting away money every month. And, uh, you know, even doing it automatically is probably even easier. If you never see that money, you never miss it. Yes. Um, and uh, allotments, allotments rule our life. And it's so great. So easy to just set that stuff up. You know, like what's the, I don't think you were born yet, but there was a commercial where the guy had this rotisserie chicken and he was, his phrase was like, set it and forget it. And it was like back in the eighties. And so you just, that's what it is. You set up your allotments and they just happen and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Absolutely. Being overseas with, with cola, as you know, like cola is amazing. Um, being able to set that money aside and everything else. So yeah, it's, it's a good habit to get into and it's super easy with technology allows you to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't uh, say it better myself. So let's get into your, your investing side of things. So, um, you know, you mentioned here in your bio that you lost uh, $1.2 million in real estate property 12 years ago, which was you know about t- 2008, 2009 period. So let's jump into that. What what happened there, or I guess led up to that point? Yeah, so a little backstory. So my wife, my girlfriend then, now my wife, was a loan officer, and she was a wholesale lender. And and she's like, hey, um, you know, graduated college, and we're hanging out, and we like each other. Why don't you try this real estate thing? And I'm like, oh, that's cool, right? And her mom grew up doing apartments and different homes and everything else. So what I would do, because living in Vegas, everything's a track home, right? So I would go into a community and buy the first phase on a cul-de-sac, second biggest house, and then house hack that, and then just wait till phase six or phase seven, refinance that, put everybody in a house or rent that house out, and then go do it again. So I just did that over, you know, every six, seven, eight months because the way the market was. And was so focused on getting those houses that I didn't notice what was going on in the financial world, right? And so when people are like, oh my gosh, you lost 1.2, that's incredible, what did you do? I said, well, I was so focused on like seeing the ants crawl on my bark of the trees, I didn't see the forest fire of, of the financial forest fire going on, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, what would you do different? I'm like, well, I would pay attention to the forest and not just focus on my individual houses, you know, on Travis's little the trees. And so 2008 hits, I joined the Marine Corps, I've deployed twice, or deployed three times at that point. And, uh, you know, in Vegas, it was getting 
phone price and rent price were like, you know, as the home price went down, rent was going down. And at one point we were pumping like $4,000 a month in just to kind of keep the mortgages afloat. And when you go from working with an engineering firm making good money in Vegas to join the Marine Corps and you're listed as a corporal in E4 and you're making like $21,000 a year, that, uh, that piggy bank goes off the quick. So even with the reserves, we just couldn't keep it. So we 1099 everything and started over. Interesting. Wow. That, I mean, that's, um, that's crazy to think about that. You, you, I mean, a great lesson learned that you were fo so focused on acquiring that you weren't focused on uh, almost protecting yourself from what potentially could happen. So let's, so how many doors did you get up to before you started seeing the cracks in the, in the foundation? We had six. Okay. Six. Got it. And uh, were you using a lot of bank leverage too? I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you then, know, with the phase releases, you'd have, you know, you go in and buy it for 180 and then every phase release, they just add 10,000 to the price. So phase six, phase seven, you already have supposedly, right, that appreciation and you're putting your 20% down. So it was easy to get refinanced. I had, you know, they did, they, they used the mirror, like breathe on the mirror. Oh yeah, you have a, you can see your breath, you're qualified type. So uh, it was easy to move and easy to uh, rent it out. Everything was hot. They were all two-story, four bedrooms, you know, 2,000 square foot homes that were, again, in, coldest, in the cul-de-sac or close to it and wasn't the biggest or the smallest. So everything was attractive to everybody. And Interesting. So so um, that's kind of rough. I mean, when talking about having a, a real estate portfolio built up and being on top of the world to suddenly have it kind of all crumb crashing down and, and really, especially being active duty as well, it's not really... Not really much you could really do uh, do with that. Um, so, for you know any anybody else, probably that would have crumbled their dreams of continuing real estate. But you're now back at it again. So, you know what what really um, motivated you to get back into real estate after you know a, such a traumatic experience back in 2008, 2009. I know I could do it again. I knew I I could I could make that double it uh, technology bigger pockets, this YouTube. I mean, like none of that existed when I was trying to do this. Um, right. it, there's so much available for anybody that has the, the discipline to want to move forward. If you have a slight bias or action, the world is yours. It is mm -hmm. so easy now. It's not, it's not easy as in art. You still have to put in the work and you put in the sweat and get up early and go to bed late and, you know, manage your time and time block and do all these things that they talk about because you have to learn, you learn how to be as efficient as possible. And what's beautiful about that is that's a principle that carries over into all aspects of my life, right? As a training in jujitsu, I would get to fold people in pajamas and they're in them, right? That is, I have to learn how to be efficient, especially when I'm 46 and I get to roll some 20, 20 year old <laughs> Marine who's jacked and then I got to worry about being efficient and conserve energy and like do all that stuff. Well, those same principles apply to real estate in your life and making sure that you're being efficient and productive with your time. And, and it's very synergistic, right? Like, well, how do you get all this stuff done? Well, I, this is what I do. Would you like to learn how to do it? And, this is, and, I, and it's not anything that I'm making up. It's not Travis's methods of, of awesome, right? It's there. It's, it's available. You just have to take the time to read, apply, and, and again, have that bias for action. Mm-hmm. 
So, so, I mean, you talk a lot about mindset and, you know, what, what you're doing both, uh, you know, in and out and in and out of uniform with the, uh, the investments that you were doing and, and building it back all back up. Um, but in Jan- January, 2019, you kind of had a traumatic experience happen. Um, what, you know, what kind of changed your whole mindset or, or really was it kind of the same mindset that you had that, uh, got you through that experience and, you know, saw you being successful on the other side of that? Uh, getting diagnosed with cancer, I think is a blow for anybody, right? As a Marine, I'm fortunate that we are taught there's a critical path. And when you see the critical path, you see your mind's eye to it, and then you don't have to worry about emotion. You don't have to worry about hurdles. You don't have to worry about whatever you see the critical path. Mm-hmm. And that's how I approached it. I was diagnosed in 2019 with that. We were stationed in Okinawa and we were thriving as a family. We were traveling Two oldest kids got certified to go dive. You know, we're diving every weekend around Okinawa, we're surfing with the younger kids. And then that was a huge blow because the world that we loved and enjoyed, well, we were uprooted and we moved back to San Diego. And it was, it's very easy living with cancer and going through radiation, going through chemo to dig your, dig your misery pit with an excavator super easy they're the choice you have to make every single day when you get up if i'm going to lay in bed and feel sorry for myself i'm going to get up i'm going to hug my kids i'm going to kiss my wife i'm going to walk around the block because it's the only exercise i can do and if i can get 50 feet that i did yesterday because i got to build myself back up then that's a win and sometimes those days all i could do was go downstairs kiss my wife and hug my kids and then go back upstairs and sleep for another five or six hours. Yeah, those happen. Absolutely. But did, did that become my norm? And the very beginning, I was determined that I was going to go back to the fleet, to the operating forces. And the doctor's like, well, you know, normally we medically retire everybody. And you know, I was attached to the wounded warrior for a year and a half. Like, well, normally, you know, we get everybody medically retired. I'm like, no, I don't want to. That's not my, my game plan. I'm going to 20. I'm going to retire, maybe 20 plus. I said, so it's it's all about me making the decision and you're going to support me on that and get out of my way. And I think that that um, really became contagious for my kids because I had responsibility not only as a husband, but as a father. I had an, op- an obligation as a Marine officer to make sure that I was setting the example, that I was keeping that positive you know, PMA, positive mental attitude, for those around me, because when I'm, when I'm at Balboa, and there's some kids that, some Marines and, and service members that are jacked up, and then as I'm in the cancer world, right, and then going to cancer lunches, and I'm like, yeah, I have stage three colon cancer, and I have this colostomy bag, and I'm still doing treatments and everything, but then I see a 21-year-old, somebody who has lymphoma or, you know, bone cancer, and they need, and I'm like, I think stage three colon cancer is okay. Mm-hmm. I was going through treatment and when I had the days that I could, I did tons of volunteering. Like I stepped outside of myself and tried to give service to other people. I was fortunate to volunteer with the great organizations like One More Wave, Amp Surf. I was able to help with the international, the disabled, what is it? The International Disabled Sports or Surfing Association. And spend a week there. There was like 15, 20 countries that came from all over the world and they had blind surfers, amputee surfers, modified surfers, like they had all of these different 
surfers come in internationally to compete against themselves in, in the various uh, disabled categories. And it was amazing to watch, maybe to be a part of. The VA has a summer clinic that they come down to San Diego and they, they kite surf and they, and they do, they canoe and kayak, do all this stuff. I was able to contribute there and, and participate. And that's made my cancer, made my situation. You know, I'm standing here with, with two arms and two legs and I'm going to help a vet or uh, a veteran who is in a wheelchair missing two or three limbs and he's going to go get on a surfboard and we're going to help him. You know, that, that's the stuff that makes your issues non-existent. Mm -hmm. I think that that is, uh, that is truly incredible that you were able to, um, despite what was going on in your life, take a step back and realize that, you know, not only are there others that are, you know, potentially suffering worse, but there's, there's ways that you can step outside yourself to help others, despite what's going on with you. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's an amazing mindset to have because it gives you the ability to think outside of yourself and build almost a legacy for you and for others. You know, um, when you have a traumatic experience happen like that and, and, you know, and I'm not, I've never had anything like that happen before. I've never had a life changing, you know, medical altering kind of uh, history, but I think it really does put things in perspective for what you want to do with your life, like what you've done with the past, you know, 30, 40 years of your life and what the next, you know, two, three, 10, 20 years are going to look like for you and the legacy that you build. And for you, it sounds like you really kind of had a, a, um, a shift in what mattered to you. And it sounds like you've really taken that to heart every day, every day kind of since then. And um, so, so let me ask you this then knowing the experience that you've had during all of that and the people that you interacted with and kind of the, the mindsets that you have, what have you taken um, from that experience to real estate and really in life in general, uh, moving on from that? In real estate, it's, it's all about the networking, right? And, and I have a mantra that I kind of say, your success is my happiness. I love networking. I think one of my biggest strengths is connecting the unconnected. I enjoy putting people together. I'm like, you know, putting this guy, like, hey, I'm looking for this. Awesome. I know this person over here. That brings me extreme joy. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, looking at Excel documents is definitely not bringing me as much joy. Uh, but it's, it's taking that mindset and being like, hey, every day is a gift. You can, you can bless and improve the lives of other people by connecting them and watching those two people shake hands and do an introduction email, right? And then go forth and you, and you see their success. And that's awesome. That is, that is the power of community. That is the power of, of the, human, you know, the human endeavor to achieve more. And it's, if everybody's doing that in the world, like how's the whole world not going to get better for that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in our personal life, it's, it, uh, you know, we tell our kids all the time, like as parents, we want our, we want our kids to be better versions of ourselves. I just want my kids to be better versions of, of me, right? How can they impact the community? How can, how can they improve the world around them? As we know, as military members, right, we're, we have Marines or we have service members that we're in charge of and we're, we lead and and we all know that our time in the, in the military is, is set, whether it's four years or 40 years. And we eventually, we're all going to be a member of a community somewhere doing our thing. Mm -hmm. and if we don't teach each other or learn or expand our horizons, then 
do we get to become that person in the community? What are we going to do with it? Are we going to make it better? Or are we just going to enjoy the status quo? A uh, quote that we live we live by pretty hard and I pass on to my Marines is there's no comfort in the growth zone and there's no growth in the comfort zone. And I just reiterate that all the time because if we're comfortable being uncomfortable, then we're, we're simply Gumby as we say in the Marine Corps. We're always flexible. Mm-hmm. You, know, and you, can, you can have intent, you can have dreams, you can have aspirations and you have your vision board and you can still achieve those things with the, you know, turmoil and the challenges and, and COVID. I, I don't think like, you know, looking back at 2020, we did great. We closed on a, we closed on a property. We were able to be an LP on 120 unit property in, in Texas. Uh, my, my portfolio and stocks grew. Like we've got a corporation that allowed us to buy the fiveplex in Cleveland. Like it's all about how you choose every day to approach your life. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, yeah, I mean, with the a lot of experiences you have and everything that's going on in everyone's life, like how can you not be not be thankful and grateful for what life has given you? I mean, one of one of the monsters I say in the morning is that you know, it, it, even though I wake up at early mornings, the hours it just means I'm alive, and that's a lot of other people can't say that. Well, maybe because they're dead, but you know, a lot of other people don't think about the fact that uh, just being able to wake up, just being able to get out of bed and walk around, just being able to have a roof over your head and have food to eat every day. I mean, that's, uh, that's something that I think a lot of people take for granted, but it really does humble you to think that um, all these things that are, ha- that are happening in my life, all of these things, despite COVID, despite, you know, not being able to travel, despite, you know, being thousands of miles away from family over here, um, you know, not having, you know, being able to spend holidays with family and, and things like that. You know, it, it really does put all of that in perspective when you think about the small things that we take for granted. Uh, each and every day that that truly do make life special and make life worthwhile and being able to share that with other people especially you know military vets and and uh you know guys like us that are you know striving and putting in effort every day and whether they're at you know 20 years or it's their first year in i think a lot of the lessons you're talking about are applicable to them and i think a lot of the lessons in terms of getting involved with real estate and building a future for yourself in outside of the military, because eventually you're going to have to get out, whether that's in 30 years from now, or that's tomorrow, you're going to have to get out and make a new life for yourself, essentially. And, you know, why not start that now? Why not start building out and, and doing the things you can do now? And, and it sounds like you've, you've really taken a, a lot of big steps towards building that future for yourself, you know, with your single family homes, you know, buying land, you know, even just getting into, uh, you know, the fam- the sing family homes you had in Las Vegas. I mean, that that is a, a huge mindset shift, a mindset shift for a lot of people to even think about doing that in the first place, um, especially while active duty. So I um I want to uh, I want to dig in a little bit more into, you know, your actual your actual real estate stuff, because I, I love I love hearing about your background. Um, and I kind of want to tie that all into what you've done with real estate. So let's, uh, let's talk about this fiveplex in Cleveland and how did that come about? It came about, I've, I'm working with a company called Investment, M-I-N-T, and they're an amazing group of people. And they basically have their investor clientele and they're in different markets throughout the country. And it just so happened that this fiveplex came out and it's, was, it worked fantastic. I mean, I can talk numbers if you'd like and but it, it just is, uh, 
know his work. Everybody's great. Everybody's super excited about it. The, the company investment has the contractor. They have the property manager. They already have, you know, your core four. And it's just a matter of, of getting your finances in order and purchasing your property and moving forward. So is it essentially a turnkey company? Is that what they're providing for you? I would say it's pretty much. I think it's like a, a wholesale turnkey, kind of an active turnkey type. Um, I'm not going to be buying it at full price. You know, I'm, I'm paying for the reno- renovations too. So I guess it's more of an active turnkey if that's a defined word. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk numbers on it. So uh, what, what did every kind of, everything kind of shake out to be and what are you making on it now? So it's in the process of being rehabbed. It's uh, it's um, in the northern part of Cleveland, 16th Street. All in price is two hundred thirty thousand. ARV is around three twenty five or three fifty. Damn. And that includes the rehab. And uh, because I didn't, they usually investment prefers all cash offers, and so we kind of worked together. And I was I used some hard money to make that to take it down. And I ran the numbers and I kept running the numbers. And every time I run the numbers, I'm like, those numbers are going to work, right? So we can be clearing about anywhere from twelve to $1,500 would be the cash flow every month. Right now it's under market. It was horribly mismanaged. Like they didn't have, nobody had leases. I couldn't get a T12. Uh, the utility, no, I couldn't even get a utility statement from the owner. Like nothing was being managed on this property. But talking with a hard money guy who I met through another Facebook page, again, the power of networking, he's like, oh, I've got a duplex five streets away from that. It's an awesome area. I love that place. It's awesome. Then I talked to the property manager. His brother owns the gym down the street. His parents own a 16 unit, you know, east of that, of that place. He's like, yeah, great. I kind of grew up in that area. That's a wonderful area. I know that house or that property. So everybody's jamming. Like, oh, that sounds great term for hard money. I'd never used hard money before. Mm-hmm. So we're on, I'm on a nine month, nine month note with the hard money and we're expected to be done completely in about four months, depending on the weather, because we're going to be resizing the property and we're going to push market rents up to about seven, seven fifty. And if we can get that for all five, we'll be, everything will be great. Awesome. I ran my numbers for the cash out refi to pay everybody back at 300,000. So if I get 70% at 300,000, that's 210,000. I'm paying them back that uh, I borrowed 120, 185. And we'll put about 20 grand in our pocket, leave about 20 grand in the property, which we're okay with. And anything over 300, we're just going to drop that 70%. So if we're at 55, 60, 65% LTV, then okay, fine. We're going to move forward. Solid. I mean, that's a, it, it sounds um, essentially like a turnkey burr type of situation, essentially what you get. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So how did you get involved with this uh, investment company to start with? How'd you find them? It's all through networking. Uh, I have my fantastic green squad, green squad in the mastermind group of uh, Adam, Tom, Martin, Justin, Brandon. Make sure I say all, make sure. Yeah. Six of us. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to use my fingers to make sure I don't forget you guys. Adam, Tom, Brandon, Justin, and Martin. Yep. And me. Yep. So uh, Adam was like, hey, if you're looking, these guys are awesome. Check them out. And he was kind of networking, networking with them through uh, Instagram and social media. And we just started talking. 
turns out that uh, Amy is the owner and they're in Huntington Beach. Brandon is the VP. And of course, we instantly find out that I do jiu-jitsu and he's a striker. So of course, we had an automatic like <laughs> attraction to see who's going to beat up who. And uh, it just kind of blossomed from there. And uh, it's just been wonderful, wonderful to work with him. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think for, um, I think that's a really good experience that you've had. And I think for a lot of people who are getting started uh, with real estate, especially as active duty, if you want to, or don't have the time available to um, learn and be active in a lot of these investments, uh, turnkey-esque is what you're kind of doing. Turnkey is, is a great way to get started because it's, um, especially if you really trust the company and you really connect with them, it's uh, it's a great way to invest money and be active without really being active and seeing the whole process of real estate and kind of getting your feet wet um, without really having to make the, a lot of, of the mistakes yourself. And, um, you know, outside of, pass, of passively investing in syndications, I think it's probably one of the best ways to get started. And obviously if you have your VA loan you can use that um, even better, yeah. but I think terms yeah, is, I, is one of those things that's often overlooked. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it's, uh, you know, it's, this this process and working with them it works for me um i don't have a problem because i am an out-of-state investor mm -hmm. i'm not uh, i don't have my one market and i'm not like just doing that one thing i think i'm a little biased because of my my history you know and being able to focus on that one thing uh, i definitely don't have a problem with uh, shiny object syndrome you know and obviously with with the land and the, and the five plex and the single families in milwaukee and then you know, we're kind of looking into assisted living in Springfield. So I definitely have, I appreciate the diversity. I think that the process to acquire the, the those properties are the same. You know, it doesn't really matter. You still have to do your due, due diligence. You still have to, to network and, and make sure the numbers work for you as you understand them. And then just, you know, having that confidence or at least the, the courage to, to saddle up anyways and, and, move, and move out. Now, I, I think that's, that's amazing. And, and the fact that you, uh, you were able to trust that company so well and, and find it through networking, I think is huge. I think that's probably one of the, the biggest things to take away is that networking is, is really your net worth. I mean, people say that adage all the time, but I can't tell you how many people that I've had on the podcast that I've met through just pure random networking with people, uh, how many people I've, I've worked with on different deals we've done, how many passive investors I've brought into just through networking alone. Um, I mean, you know, made, made thousands of dollars, you know, not a hundred thousand dollars, but quite a bit, ten, five figures at least in, in money directly from the networking that we've done or that I've done. And I just can't emphasize it enough how, how important it really is to, uh, to get yourself ahead really in business and in life as well. Um, but I mean, that's, I, I think that's cra crazy that you're able to, to get into, um, you know, the, the turnkey kind of, uh, property there. So uh, let's get into, you know, before we get into the snapshot round, let's get into this assisted living home um, and, and negotiating on that. So you've kind of, uh, you've kind of had a, a varied experience uh, when it comes to the different kind of properties and real estate you've been involved in. What kind of led you to this assisted living home after, you know, getting into your fiveplex? My grandma, uh, I'm originally from, originally from Arizona, so my grandma was in an assisted living home and I didn't even know those things existed. We go to the, we, it was out in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we just drive up to this house. And I'm like, wait, I thought we were going to go see grandma. They're like, yeah, she's in this, she's in a assisted living home. I'm like, no, this is a house. Because you, you know, you don't usually equate assisted living with 
watch the movie Cocoon, right? This big place of nothing but old people. And, mm-hmm. and so we walk into the house and, and each one of these rooms has a person in it. And I'm like, oh, that's very interesting, right? And because real estate or opportunity or you know, whatever you want to call it, you see the world differently. You're like, oh, this is a house that people pay for individually. And then you just talk to the person that runs it because she was there. And you were like, your whole world gets turned 90 degrees. You're like, wait a second. These people pay either through insurance or private money to have these houses or have this room. And then you have these administrators care for these people on there's different levels of care. And then based on the, then the number of occupancy, it's either state inspected or it's not state inspected and every state has their own thing. And you're like, oh my gosh. Then you start calling around and, and kind of gaining you know, a, a foothold or at least gain your knowledge a little bit. And then you uh, just keep learning. And how I'm in this situation now, I was doing duty at the group level. And I had my How to Invest Out-of-State book by David Green, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm reading it, and I'm doing my turnover. And the lieutenant's like, oh, hey, you invest in real estate? Yes, yes, I do. And so we ended up speaking like an hour after I'm done with duty, and he assumes the post of talking about real estate. Then it comes like, oh, you need to meet my, meet my roommate. Okay, cool. His roommate and, and his partner end up doing like they have rental arbitrage. But that's what they do. Then it turns out that the lieutenant's roommate's friend, his mom has a uh, two facilities in Springfield, Missouri. And so they're like, yeah, the numbers are dumb. I'm like, oh, I was actually, you know, been reading and researching about assisted living because if you look at all the baby boomers and, and the reports of all that's of them and then what's going to be happening in the next decade, uh, you know, 10 to 20 years, about the number of homes are going to come on the market because they're going to pass. And then just all of that, I'm like, I think there's a niche there. It's going to really blow up more than it already is. And, mm-hmm. and I think the, the COVID uh, or at least the, the environment that COVID creates these smaller assisted living homes give it a little more personality and a less human interaction because it's more concentrated with, with people. Not concentrated, but like, um, you have less people that you have to worry about, right? So it's more of this sanitary uh, environment. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh yeah, let me talk, let me talk to the buddy. So it turns out that we're now working kind of, kind of together. We're working out the operating agreement. We found a house that already has the widened hallways, has a ramp for the front door, has a covered porch, has a three bedroom, one and a half bath, already has a no lip shower, already has a pedestal sink, like, we just basically have to go in there, do the lipstick rehab, and then start filling up the rooms. And every state has different requirements, like I said earlier, about uh, how they set it up. Mm-hmm. And hospice comes in and sets up the operations, and you can set up yourself. So I'm going to be strictly the landlord, and then you're going to have the manager and the administrator handle all the operations piece. And then you just kind of work out that agreement between the operations of what they're going to pay you to kind of keep the house and keep it going. So it's kind of where we're at right now. Man, that's crazy. I would love to get deeper into into that, but uh, we're coming towards the end of the show because I think that's a it's a really interesting interesting um, process that you're going through. And uh, you know, it's I think with the way the multifamily is kind of laying out the the opportunity for alternate assets outside of multifamily is uh, is growing. And uh, you know, assisted living, self storage, mobile home parks. I mean, those are all going to play a big a big factor here in the future, but 
that being said, uh, I want to get into the snapshot round before we run out of time. So you ready for it? Ready. All ahead, plank, cavitate, snapshot, tube, tube. All right, here we go. First question, what is your number one failure in real estate, Travis? Only focusing on one thing. Only focusing on my houses and not looking at the overall big financial picture of the world. Okay, smart, smart advice. All right, as an active duty investor, what advice do you have for other military investors to be successful? Just like in your military career, have initiative, take initiative, have advice for action and get out there and, and be willing to, to learn and grow, set your ego aside. Be humble. I give a little Jocko shout out right there. Like, don't let your ego and your and your, and your uh, pride get in the way of your own progress. Be humble and be willing to learn and grow. Hmm. Love it. All right. What inspired you to serve your country? Uh, 9-11. Okay. <laughs> 9-11. All right. Smart. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a common for a lot of people as well. Awesome. All right. And uh, lastly, what is your dream? I have, I don't have, I grew up never having favorites. I grew up never having blinders on, right? Because I think that if I only like the color blue or I only like Mexican food, I think that that stops my ability to enjoy the world around me. So I don't have favorites. And with that, uh, my dreams are in so many different areas, right? Like I have a dream to have a, a cottage on the beach to go surf and a, and a dream to have a cottage in the forest to go enjoy that. And just to have the, the joy of freedom, the freedom of time, the, the freedom to go visit my, my grandkids in the future in another 10, 15 years, the, the freedom to be a family and to enjoy memories and experiences as a family instead of, you know, waiting until I'm a little bit grayer and a little shorter before I can enjoy that. I love it. I think that's a, a lot of people miss out on that, thinking that they're going to have to spend 50 years doing the same thing and then find all that freedom at the end. And, you know, that's something that I've, I didn't, you're probably very conscious about is like life, every day is, is a gift and you never know when your, your last day is going to be around. So, you know, why wait until, you know, 60 years from now when you can enjoy yourself now or along the way. Absolutely. I, lo I love that. I love that, man. All right, Travis, I, um, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing, you know, your life story and kind of the, um, the rough lessons that you had along the way and, and life circumstances. And, you know, it's, it's a, it gets a little raw talking about a lot of that stuff. So I appreciate the courage and, and uh, you know, fortitude that you've had talking with us about that. My pleasure. I think it's, uh, it's being on the other side of the tunnel, right. Post-cancer and everything else and going through the remission process or the surveillance process. Uh, it, it doesn't, it's not scary. It's um, you know, just like with, dealing with PTSD or coming back from deployments, it, you got to talk about it. You got to get it out. You got to let those demons, uh, yeah, you got to learn how to let them go because the longer you hold on to them, the, the rougher life can be. Absolutely. And uh, if people want to learn more about you or reach out to you, where can they go? You can find me on Instagram, Travis Hill 1310. And always, of course, I'm on Facebook as well. I'm in Clubhouse also. And excited to always network and help bring people together. Perfect. I'm super blessed and uh, grateful, Anthony, for this opportunity to, to hang out with you and, and to kind of talk shop. And yeah, it's, it's been great. I'm very blessed and honored. Thank you. Absolutely. No, I, pre I really do appreciate you coming on here. And I uh, hope you stay safe back in the States with everything going on. Thanks for listening. 
If you are a military investor and found this episode of the Lessons in Real Estate show packed with great information, tell your friends and leave a five-star rating on your listening platform. Every comment is read and appreciated. Don't forget to check out our weekly episodes of PCI Teaches, brought to you by Pinto Capital Investments. Learn about basic and advanced topics in real estate investing. Catch updates on Anthony's journey through learn and teach segments. And listen to the tales of other military investors and real estate professionals every week. We'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate show.